Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Mets Maniacs Podcast. I'm your host, Ty Wilkes, along with co-host Mike Bresnak. We know him as Uncle Mike. You know the names, you know the voices, now you know the faces. We have an Instagram. Go check us out, at Mets Maniacs underscore. I bring that up first because it's a new addition to the Mets Maniacs organization. Check it out. Really excited to keep pumping out content there, um, as well as on Twitter. You can find us at Mets Maniacs Pod. We're also on Mesmerize now. You can go to MesmerizeOnline.com. We're very excited for that merge. So you can find all of our content over on MesmerizeOnline.com. Check out the other articles while you're there. Very high quality, premium stuff. Great writers, great people. Check it out. Also, rate and review us. Go to Apple Podcasts. Do it. Spotify, follow, please. means a lot. Thank you. Today's episode, we got Adam Feinstein on. Adam, I love all my guests. I love Adam especially. He's got some great takes As always, we're going on our uh, growth segment here where we talk about the Mets' predictions and projections going into 2021. If you can hear that ambulance behind me, uh, that's just the sounds of D.C. Shaw we got going on. Like I say, keep it raw around here. What I hear, you hear. That's how we do it on the Mets Maniacs podcast. But Adam's coming on. He's a Long Island native. I actually work with Adam now. He's got some great takes. Like I said, we talk about the strengths, the weaknesses, X-factors, how he thinks the Annalise is going to shake out. And we also cover things like Mets black jerseys, yay or nay, the camo jerseys. He's got some great takes for his memories. So definitely a great episode. Super excited to both film this and then air it now. So please check it out, guys. As always, thank you for listening. We're going to get right to it. Just a brief ad sponsorship. You already know the drill. Let's get going. doing this uh it's gonna match my degrom jersey it's gonna be great that's what i'm talking about yeah hey degrom goes short you go long that's what i'm talking about but i like vintage vintage degrom <laughs> it looks sharp today or sounded sharp today i guess i was listening to the game and not watching it but yeah i mean we didn't get the broadcast you know which is which is crazy getting degrom against granky and they uh they stiffed us what are you gonna do yeah yeah listen to it on houston radio and you can get all those great waterburger ads <laughs> yeah, I don't know if um, you haven't met Mike, my co-host here. But... I haven't met you, but I've heard your voice. So hi there. <laughs> I'm tremendously in shadow, so whatever. Oh yeah, I mean, is not made for streaming. Yeah, and we're also just taking the audio too, so you don't have to worry about. No. That. So we're just doing this for the uh, you know for the engagement between us, you know, so we can get some face-to-face contact. So if you, if you weren't already fatigued through work for video calls, we thought why not do it on the weekend? So. <laughs> Here we are. Um, but yeah, Adam, thanks again for uh, being on the podcast. Um, I think just to start to you just kind of introduce yourself, you know, like where you're from, what led you to becoming a Mets fan. And then we'll get into uh, the rubric that I sent over and your kind of grades for the Mets offseason and predictions. Sure, sure. So name's Adam, uh, originally from Long Island, uh, North Shore, uh, you know, Nassau County, if anyone wants to get more particular than that. Uh, I'm a Mets fan because uh, it's hereditary. My dad was a Mets fan. He grew up in Queens. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, fondly my childhood as a Shea Stadium running up and down the, the ramps. And I uh, can't do that anymore for a couple of reasons. You know, age, no more Shea, that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. yeah. Now we kind of work together. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Adam and I do work together. Um, but You've also been on a uh, previous podcast, if everybody wants to go back. We actually did something similar um, back before last season in 2020 to kind of get your uh, predictions and pick your brain a little bit. So good to have a longstanding Mets fan on. Uh, and kind of with, with that underway, 
Oh, you know what? I want to make one note about that first. Oh, so course. I just I just got to go back because I listened to what I said last year just to see how I did in, in hindsight. And my favorite <laughs> comment was that I, I made some mention that, you know, there's, there's a hypothetical that everyone in the NL East gets COVID except for the Marlins and the Marlins squeak into the playoffs. And I was right for the wrong reason. It turns out the Marlins were the only team to go down to COVID and somehow they snuck into the playoffs anyway. So <laughs> take everything I say with a rock of salt. Oh, and that's that's same for us, as I'm sure our listeners know. But um, yeah, glad glad you're coming back on. Um, but to start off for the offseason here, uh, we, we start with the letter grade for the offseason. So what are you going to give the Mets um, for the offseason here, 2020, 2021, uh, and why? Uh, I'm going to give them a solid A. Uh, I think a lot of people out there would give them an A+. Plus, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to fault that, but A+, a pluses are reserved for uh, – Oh God, who was it? There was some like long-term contract for like pennies that the Braves paid. I forget if it was Acuna or uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll look it up later. I'm not a Braves fan. I don't have this stuff committed to memory, but they made some ridiculous contract signing last year, which was like eight plus in my books. But outside of that, it was uh, you know new ownership, great coming in, laying down the law, making free agent signings, not losing that much of the core team. Uh, you know, I, I shed a single tear for Jimenez, I think. Right. You know, he, he might go far, but, you know, it, it's the price you pay. But um, his excitement all around, and uh, I, I don't see too many holes in this team right now, so you got to give him an A. Right. No, I, I, I like that take. I think, um, yeah, of course, with Lindor, uh, I, I think that's a fair price to see Jimenez go, even though we saw a lot of potential. I think I just kind of like him as a person. It seemed like he worked hard. We saw some, like, very swift plays at a shortstop. And it's been a while since I've seen that kind of just really anywhere, honestly, defensively, you know, a defender to, to his level. Um, and with him and Guillaume up the middle, some games to see that shorthanded uh, duo is, is definitely a treat uh, to see on a Mets team that's been lacking defensively uh, in, in, in recent years, or should I say uh, decade, but um, also to kind of, kind of going off that, what would you say is the biggest strength for the Mets in 2021? And what are you most concerned about going into this year? Hmm. So the biggest strength, I'm, I'm still going to say ownership, right? Cause this is still just like a, such a monumental sea change for the right. or, organization. And I, I'm going to pinpoint one thing, which was like one of the first things Steve Cohen did. And I feel like it's gotten buried in free agent signings and other exciting things since then, but one of the first things he did when the news broke and he was in the Mets ownership was that he was going to revamp the analytics department. But, and that's the kind of stuff that you want to see if you're trying to build a long-term winner, right? Mr. You know, Uncle Steve, Mr. Moneybags is coming in, making the signings. He wants to win now, but he also wants to win five years from now, 10 years from now. And you don't do that with a pittance of a front office, which is what we had been operating with. So I think that's, that's the greatest strength, not only for this season, but for seasons to come. Right. No, I think that's a very good take. And we've, it's interesting that uh, you've noted that because I've said this before in uh, other podcasts with uh, other fans we've actually had on the show. Uh, I like the analytics take. I think a lot of people focus on kind of the marquee signings that we've had, big name players in the offseason. But it's really important, I think, to look at the Mets team uh, structurally uh, and, and kind of up the ladder, the hierarchy, right, for, for management. And that starts with ownership, trickles down. And I also think, too, just having proper coaches in place because, you know, you look at a team like the Cardinals or the Braves who kind of have that, uh, you know, long-term success and, you know, they have the Cardinal way or, you know, you come to the Braves and they expect you to play a certain way, to behave a certain way on the team. And I'd love to adopt that 
attitude for the Mets, because I think that can really help mold players and help them develop. And I'm not going to say that, you know, it wasn't maybe timing or uh, coming out of New York helped him, but look at a player like uh, Darno or a player like Justin Turner who goes to another team and they develop. And I mean, Darno, right. It was a, a, a small window in 2020. He was, he was never but bad. He wasn't he, great. He was, he was all right. He got injured a lot too on the Mets. Uh, yeah. There was some, some of that was unlucky, you know, take foul balls off the hand. Right. Yeah. He had his hands out here when he was batting. Yeah. So you're yeah. bound to get a couple. Um, but then, you know, he goes to the Braves and wins a silver slugger and a very similar story with Justin Turner. So it's, it's, uh, it's sad to see, but I think now with the new era of like uh, optimism, even just with that ownership change, not even, uh, you know, withstanding any other coaching changes, I think is huge for this team. And then kind of having leadership through a player like Lindor, through DeGrom, yep. who are both like personable, well-liked on the team, but also when they go out to perform, they're pretty serious, dedicated uh, and, and, and committed to what they're doing in their craft. So, uh, and I I'm, think another thing about the coaches you said it like it's good to have proper coaches in place. It's also really important to have improper coaches gone. And that was, I think, another thing that the good ownership tip. did very well this offseason, right? We had Jared Porter, we had Brian Ellis, and both of those, I think, were handled as best they could have possibly been handled, right? There was also Mickey Calloway, that news broke. Not our problem anymore, but it's still very uncomfortable to know that he wasn't this organization and that was a problem. So you, like... Analytics aside, players aside, if the organization can build a culture where the coaches are good people and also good coaches, but first and foremost, good people, that's going to make a lasting impact. And I think they've already shown they can do that. Right. Going off that, like the front office, like you mentioned, Jared Porter, but the nice thing was that the fact that Zach Scott was kind of that second in line anyway in the interview yeah. process, and he's a seamless fit now as the general manager. Obviously, Sandy Alderson comes back, and you can have a problem or not with uh, his vetting process. Definitely, there's holes in it, but I mean, more towards him as a general manager. Uh, he had some really good draft picks early on uh, before with his first run with the Mets. I mean, half the team right now is Sandy Alderson picks with Pete Alonso, Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil uh Brandon Nemo uh however he is at sometimes he can be criticized for his offseason moves but then you bring in Zach Scott now as the acting general manager with Sandy Olsen kind of overseeing him and you hope that Zach Scott formerly with the Red Sox who have made some big trades albeit some trades that may might not have swung in their favor with the uh, Mookie Betts deal last year but someone yeah, well. a little bit uh a little bit more kind of for lack of a better term ballsy when it comes to making trades this, this is a front office that is way different than last year where it seemed like Brody Van Wagenen was incredibly lost and all of his kind of front office people in this as well were also really had no idea what they're doing. They're doing it by the seat of their pants. Yeah, he set the bar really low. Like The funny thing about trades is that you can always look back at them in hindsight and say if it was a good trade or a bad trade. It's really hard to evaluate trades when they actually happen, except for some Brody Van Wagenen trades. Those, right. at the time, you could look at and be like, what are they doing? Right, right. I mean, I think... Um... Yeah, like we've talked about with Jed Lowry. I mean, yeah, maybe we get Oof. him back for a utility man. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Who is this guy? Never never saw the field. I would say, I would venture to say Brody Van Wagen made three good moves, and one of them was DeGrom extension. I think hindsight, that's an absolute steal, especially when you look at I think that, that doesn't even take a brand to make, though. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, at the price, uh, it, it was an absolute steal. You look right now at Bauer, who's getting paid $40 million a year. He's not he, – He's not even yeah. close to what DeGrom's numbers are. And DeGrom's making like 22, 27, mm-hmm. something in that range. Uh, the Pete Alonso bringing him up on opening day, yeah, it kills a year of service time. But honestly, a lot of Pete Alonso, yeah. one of the Mets in the 2019 to grow. And even I got to say Jimenez last year too. I think Jimenez, 
being on the uh, MLB roster was definitely shocking to a lot of people, but it built his value showing that he's an MLB caliber player. And he probably helps get the Francisco Lindor deal done. If yeah. Jimenez is in AAA all last year, I don't necessarily know if he has the value that he did in this trade. And I don't know if, I think there's more pieces that might've had to go. Yeah, he's certainly got an opportunity to prove himself. I don't know if you can go look back and ask Brody if he was bringing him up to improve his trade stock, but no, it worked out in the long run. Also, I opened it up in another tab, that Braves contract that I briefly alluded to earlier. It was uh, Ozzy Albies, seven years, $35 million. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, that is less than one year of Trevor Bauer. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, so is that, that is That is an A-plus contract. Division. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm not happy to see him hang around for that long, but yeah, whatever. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Hopefully extend uh, Lindor and Conforto. Uh, kind of missing on those. Yeah, um, especially not swinging on those marquee free agents. Uh, so we didn't have to spend as much, right, in uh, Bauer, Ramuto, uh, or Springer. Um, yeah, also, I was really happy with the McCann signing. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. So at the sure. beginning of the offseason, were you, like us at least, I mean, I was kind of glued just to kind of the uh, – you know, the allure of those three big free agents. So, um, you know, we, I think we signed Trevor May first and then McCann uh, and they were great signings. I think they were smart, but I guess it just wasn't the bang that I wanted that of course came with Lindor and Carrasco. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on McCann uh, at the position of catcher upgrade from Ramos, you know, how that fits in with this team and the staff. So going into this offseason, I thought that catcher was the position we needed to improve in the most, right? We have a, we had a solid starting rotation and it's even more solid now without Trevor Bauer. We have people who can play the outfield. We got Conforto and Nemo, and now we have Pilar and also Almora, which I was not quite sure why we got both of them, but we got both of them now. And Jose Martinez. Um, and Jose Martinez, another, yeah. Yeah. But, but the one piece of this team, I mean, you can raise question marks about third base, I guess. The one piece of this team that I think really never meshed was Ramos. He could kind of hit. He had that like 20, 25 game hitting streak, whatever, which was kind of fun to watch, but he couldn't run and he couldn't play defensive catcher at all. Right. And you had Mets pitchers who were already susceptible to uh, stolen bases and it just got worse and worse. Right. And when you start getting run on it, it's a little demoralizing. You don't have that good commander behind the plate. Like he, he could call a game. Sure. Wasn't great at framing. And so there, there's, there was just something that I just wanted. I didn't even want a catcher who could hit. I just wanted a catcher who could play the position. I wanted a catcher who could make our starting rotation better, not make our starting rotation worse. Same goes for the bullpen, right? Love to the bullpen, guys. And Riamuto could have been that guy. Like, if I had to put my chips on someone at the beginning of the offseason, I would have put him on Riamuto. Didn't work out. That's fine. Uh, Cam's good, though. He's been throwing out runners in spring training. He was a... Uh, I want to say uh, he had at least one hit today, maybe two. Again, I was, I was listening to the Houston radio while I was hiking a trail. It's like mine kind of half there, half in nature. So it's a little fuzzy, but he's, he seems to be a solid player. And I think we just needed a solid catcher for what, four years, 40 million, like price tags about right. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think for where he slots into our lineup, like, you know, he's, he's going to be further down. So we have a potent lineup and to have him slotting, you know, seven or eight is, uh, He's, he, you know, that's, that's a good seven or eight hitter. So, uh, yeah, I don't speaks volumes about everyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think we, we lose as much, you know, on uh, of course it'd be nice to have someone the caliber of Romuto, but, um, you know, this is a team currently set up that is poised to score a lot of runs. You know, I think, uh, yep. I don't, I don't want to say as much like Alonzo having a bounce back season, although of course like 2020, he was down, but this is a guy still is on pace to hit, I think 42 
over the course of a full season. So, and I wouldn't call that a down year by any stretch. Of course, like you'd like to see the average up. And I think he, uh, he picked it up towards the end of, again, the short season. Um, but I think with, you know, guys like Alonzo McNeil, Nimmo too, who I think could be a sneaky pick for uh, uh, the all-star team this year. Um, like, like I've been saying, sure he doesn't run into any walls. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you can figure it out out there in center. But we potentially have, you know, five or six position players in Dom Smith, uh, Brandon Nimmo, Conforto, uh, Alonzo and McNeil who can make the Lindor. all-star team. And of course, Lindor, <laughs> forgetting about oh, yeah. him. Whoa, Those are that six guy? players. Yeah, right. Who's that guy again? Um, but I don't remember. And this is what I've been saying too. that kind of talent on this team since like 06, 07. When we had, you know, Delgado, Beltran, Reyes, right? Like, you know, we were half this starting, uh, and Laduca, half this starting in an all-star team. So I think there's a lot yeah, of reasons no. to be excited. Um, Team's deep. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd like to say, though, too, let's go to uh, any concerns you might have, either disappointments with the offseason or concerns going into the season. Like, how do you feel starting pitching-wise, bullpen, defensively? Like, any areas that you're really, like, shaky about for this year? I mean, I, I said I shed a tear before for Jimenez leaving. That's that's probably my biggest disappointment. But if that's my biggest disappointment of the offseason, like it's a win. Yeah, that's a win. I'm still a little shaky at JD at third. The dude can hit, can't argue with that. I don't love him at the hot corner, but I don't think we have anyone really better at the hot corner. Of course, you know, in some dream world we picked up Arenado to to man that position, but or Guillaume comes up and he performs like he does against Rodney in like the eighth when we're down one run against the Nationals. But he hit, he hit well, man. He hit over 300, I think, oh, again, man. in what, 50? He played even less, maybe like, I don't know how many games he started, like maybe 30. Uh, he but could, He could have a 20-year all-star career, and I will only remember him for catching a bat in the dugout. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was 2019 or uh, before, but that was, he didn't flinch through it right back. I nope. love his intensity, oh, you know, ice, ice water in his veins. No, I'd love to see him do real well. I feel like he's had enough time in the majors that we've gotten a sense. And like, we should expect, you know, an average, maybe a hair below average hitter, like a plus defender, which is, you know, there are guys out there, like and there's a place for him. Yeah. And like we've been but, saying too, we might see Davis at third and great, you know, not only can he hit, he can hit from the right side of the plate. And then maybe later in games, we're trying to close it out. We get Guillaume up and uh, put him at third base, maybe uh, move in Dom Smith to first, take Alonzo out and maybe put Pilar uh, in center field to kind of get the best defensive approach we can. So we might see that happen more often, which I'm definitely like, okay with let's, that's a pretty good yeah. uh, defensive looking team, obviously sliding it in to left. Um, but you know, I, I guess what only concerns me is having uh, Dom Smith behind Davis. Um, but by the same token, you have Lindor at shortstop, uh, who's had more range than we've seen in like our previous shortstops, even going back through to Tejada. Of course, Rosario is more athletic, but not quite the star fielder that I expected him to be or anyone really did, I think. Um, yeah. So it, I think it's, you know, Lindor is on just a, a whole nother level, and that should help Davis at third focus on maybe a smaller range that, that he has to cover. Uh, and even if that means maybe moving closer to the line, um, you know, his arm strength isn't an issue. It's Don't just never was. In, in fielding. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But how confident are you in Edwin Diaz going into this year? And let's and we'll talk Familia, too. And Batanzas, sure. if you want to get into it, but that's that's a little shaky. Man, I, I think once you get past the, the third base question, the bullpen is probably the, the weakest link in this team because it's it's so volatile, right? We kind of know what we're getting from J.D. Davis at this point. He's, he hits, he doesn't really field. Like, it's a known quantity and we can work around that. I, I think your point about Lindor kind of shoring up that side of the infield is true, hopefully. 
good players make everyone around them better. Mm-hmm. But that that bullpen, man, we've we've seen stellar seasons out of these guys, and we've seen absolute stinkers. So I don't I don't know what we're gonna get. But and my blood pressure can't handle Familia coming in, you know, walking two guys or maybe three, and then striking out the rest. Same with Diaz too, you know, like it's. Yeah, I have to leave the room sometimes when they come in, and I, I don't know if I can handle that. You know, not not this year. I think getting used to it. The only thing you can cross yeah. your fingers for is that we're just going to score so many damn runs that yeah. you know they can come in and give up two, three, and it's not going to matter. Right, right. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm hoping too. Uh, if Familia can uh, figure out his control, I actually I've always had some confidence in Diaz, but he's probably frustrated me the most as a result. I think Familia, I can more expect nasty stuff. He's just not going to throw strikes. But Diaz, I think like he can throw strikes. Um, he's got explosive stuff. I still think, you know, he has the talent to be that shutdown closer. And I think we can, we can really see that this year, but you know, it, until it happens, you know, yeah. you're right. There's a, there's a lot of volatility. So I mean, Diaz is also kind of weird because he ends up being like a, a three true outcomes pitcher, which you don't hear about too often. Like last year, his strikeout right. numbers were off the charts, but that didn't translate to him being a, a knockout closer. Cause he also gave up a bunch of home runs. Yeah. He was just, he was just this weird it, it's hard to place him because he's got so much raw talent and just couldn't really execute in all situations. Yeah. I'm surprised hitters were squaring him up. I must say. Um, but you know, we'll see, hopefully his confidence is up. And like we said, maybe honestly, a better catcher does help. And with DeGrom another year, you know, following under his leadership, uh, hopefully, you know, he can help out these guys, people like Trevor May coming in, uh, can help out some younger guys. Um, so Have you watched Trevor May's Twitch at all. No, I see he does have a Twitch up, but I yeah, have you. Guy. I watched a little bit. Yeah. 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 I think we have a fun team, you know, between Dom Smith, JD Davis in the clubhouse too, of course, like Alonzo McNeil, Conforto, like these guys seem to like each other. I think Lindor kind of fits in seamlessly. He seems like a guy yeah. again, who likes to have fun. Um, what was the new story? Lindor came in and was like, this, this clubhouse needs a sound system. It's too quiet. And he like goes around making a playlist with everyone's picks. Yeah, yeah, he's screaming like at like seven a.m. Talking. Yeah, you see that jacket he was wearing coming into oh, spring trends. The how could you miss that jacket? It's so loud. Coming to America, right? But here's a real question: Do you think Eddie Murphy paid him because coming to the number America is coming out, and they need a little more advertisement for that movie? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Maybe he's got ties, man. Yeah, <laughs> he's just know. making bank left and right. He's he's already he's, figured out this. Dude, he's, yeah, he's, he's wheeling and dealing and coming to New York. You know, he finds out he's <laughs> on the Mets. First calls to Eddie Murphy to <laughs> promote the new movie. He's a businessman. Oh, it's yeah. great. Cohen Cohen is proud. Um, all right, let's uh, let's keep moving here into predictions. So, sure. what do you what do you pencil in the Mets win loss, and then maybe how do you think the division might shake out? Maybe a uh, you know top two. And then the rest, I mean, who knows how the analysis is, is, is going to shape out, but what are, what's your take? Sure. So uh, I penciled them in for a, an exact 90-win season. I think the team has the talent to do more than that. I have been personally let down by them enough times that I don't want to err on the side too high. So I'm, I'm going to say 90, but if they hit you know, 95, 96 wins, I would not be too surprised from that number. Similarly, if there's some sort of weird meltdown at the end of the season and they only reach like 80 wins, like, again, I wouldn't be too surprised. Right. Do you think uh, they would surpass the Braves this year? Yeah, I, I have them beating the Braves this year. I have Mets one, I have the Braves second in the division, probably not that far behind, hopefully not too much nail-biting. 
I think it's the end of the season. We're, we're back to smaller playoffs, I believe. So, and uh, can't just waltz our way in. Uh, I haven't really been following the Nationals or the Phillies too much. They kind of feel like one singular red team in my mind. Um, <laughs> so, so I put them both at 3.5 on my uh, one through five ranking, but I did go to Google and flip a coin. And they said the Nationals were going to come out on top of the Phillies there. So <laughs> let the random number generator show faith in Juan Soto. It's just uh, watching him develop is just also terrifying. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a monster in every nice sense of the word. Too. They had they had Kyle Schwarber, who's Schwarber. obviously got that uh, raw power potential from Chicago, and then they traded for Josh Bell too, a switch inning first baseman. Oh, they got Josh Bell. Yeah, so they 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 made some nice low key moves. Uh, pitching staff, they had John Lester uh, to bring back. Of course, it's Strasburg from injury last year, so mm-hmm. they have a pretty solid team. Uh, but yeah, I I don't think I remember last year they they had like a lot of. Stop gaps. They started the Casher at second base. They had uh, Asdrubal Cabrera at third. Like a lot of guys who you can't really build a future around. And I think that yep. they're pretty similar to that this year, where, yeah, they do bring up Carter Keyboom to play full time. I think he'll probably play third base. They have Trey Turner still, Juan Soto, Victor Robles. So they, they're really solid and they do add those starters in Schwarber and Bell. But I, I still think when it comes to star power potential, it lies with them with the rotation. And Scherzer's getting up in age. Strasburg's coming off. Uh, two pitch uh, 2020 or two inning 2020 Corbin didn't pitch that well last year uh, they came in last in the National League East last year so I don't know it's for the Nationals they're they're always surprising they always tend to outperform what they're expected to do but I don't think that they're as big of a contender as they were probably in like 2015 16 17 yeah no even just learning that they picked up Josh Bell I agree with you there <laughs> which is funny because i live in dc you'd think i'd like hear a little bit more about that second hand but i really tune it out apparently maybe this is what happens when i don't get to leave my apartment <laughs> <laughs> no I, I hear you on that one hopefully we'll be able to um you know um get vaccinated quickly and uh, and go to games we should definitely oh, get in, um, that'd be great in town we're trying to go totally to uh, as many as we can um but yeah so kind of going off that too what do you think is the biggest x factor for the mets to kind of get to you know 90 wins and beyond for this season what, what player do you think has the you know most potential or ability to, to impact the Mets season? You know, everyone on that roster looks so good. We were talking about depth before that. I'm not sure if there's one singular piece that needs to click for everyone else to click. I think that this is a team where, let's say Lindor has, you know, a bad stretch, two-week stretch. Someone else can pick him up. Conforto can pick him up. Conforto's having a bad stretch. Fine. JD can have a hot streak. You know, JD's doing bad. McCann can start hitting doubles, right? It's top to bottom. But I guess if you're looking at who's going to have the biggest impact, like an economic take on this is to say, like, who's getting the biggest contract? And uh, I did look up the contract. Most of the big contracts are for the starting pitchers. Rom, of course, number one. Um, I don't know if he's the biggest piece to get to 90 wins because, again, he's only pitching every five games. I'd love for him to pitch every game, but I, I think his arm would just straight fall off. Um, and after that, Lindor, I think he's uh, he's the X factor here. As much as there is one, he's, he can be a huge spark plug, make brilliant defensive plays. He can light up a clubhouse as soon as already taking that leadership role. Um, and I, I think that his his smile, not not knocking Nimmo off the pedestal, I think Nimmo is still the number one smile in my book. But I think Francisco coming in, smiling, being that spark plug is gonna hopefully push his team over the edge. Right. No, I, I agree with you. And kind of going off that take too, for uh, the Mets offensive talent, you know, if some players go on 
uh, dry, rough stretches. We actually have the offensive capability for somebody else to pick it up. Um, but also too, you know, I'd love to see what the team looks like if everybody's on, you know, if we got players oh, on the team. I don't terrifying. think they're like, it, it could be scary. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't think, uh, you know, sometimes we see um, kind of streaky stretches out of Conforto or Alonzo, but I think um, especially with Conforto too, that's, he's gotten much better at being a more consistent hitter uh, just as he's matured, kind of going back to his approach of using all sides of the field. And kind of when Kevin Long, I think was the hitting coach, there's more of a focus on him pulling the ball to hit more home runs. And I forget what year he hit like 33, his average was around like 250. I think he's a more well-rounded hitter now. Like when he first came up, he was hitting home runs, driving the ball to the opposite field, hitting home runs to left. I think we're going to see more of that. Um, so I don't, I don't really know what the ceiling could be for the Mets offense, but uh, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see all these guys. I don't think there's a player like Lucas Duda, you know, where you'd see him hit uh, nine home runs in seven days <laughs> and then maybe not get one for like three months. So really excited. Uh, talk, talk about a clubhouse presence. Lucas Duda was not bad. Do you remember some of his interviews afterwards? He's had a three home run game. How do you feel? I feel all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, in contrast, you had uh, Granderson with the Instagram account. I don't oh, know. Oh, that was great. That. But See, then that, the that players team had fun. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. team had fun. I, I think this team will. I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see that that's kind of been like in the Mets culture too. Cause sometimes of course, like you catch a lot of flack being on the Mets and you know, that's so Mets has kind of been a, uh, a tag for the team. Um, as long as they've existed, but um, you know, I think we can kind of spin that and have fun, but still be serious and win games. Um, but I think jumping into that, let's, let's go into memories here. So sure. um, of course, being a Mets fan too, you know, there's uh there's been a lot to cry about in my career as a Mets fan. I'm sure you know that. Um, let's start with the worst memories and then we'll end on a high note. Worst memories. Oh, man. I think my, my first sad Mets memory was uh, in 2000 and we just made the world series and I'm 11 years old at that point. And of course, you know, over the moon, cause we made the world series. And the first thing I ask is, Hey dad, can we go? And I get a very definitive no. <laughs> and that was a letdown. Um, made it out in 2015 though. So I got that redemption. Um, I mean, Wayne Wright curveball that's basically tattooed in my brain. That's that's yeah. kind of sad for everyone. That uh, replays uh, probably quarterly for me. You know, waking up on some slow Sunday mornings, it's dark out, and that just replays in my mind once. Got to shake it out. Yeah, you got to watch watch that, and then watch Andy's uh, catch right after that to kind of get a refresher. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> got to balance out the highs and lows. Yep. Uh, I guess kind of going into that too, of course, Andy Chavez, a uh, great catch. Oh, like you said, I'll still it. watch that time to time. There's some fan who made a video, uh, like a song about that catch, basically just highlighting Andy Chavez. Uh, also um, lesser known, but still in my book, like just as great to uh, you know capture who Chavez was. He had a drag bunt walk-off. Um, <laughs> I, I forget what team they were playing, but it was so magical. Uh, I remember watching the game with my brother and just going nuts when he uh, you know was running down the line, dropping it. Um, so he's great. I recommend anyone listening to look that up as well as that song. I think it only has like 3000 views. So it's definitely gold. Um, but anything else that kind of sticks out like the 2015 run or the Wilmer tears, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, memorable moments uh, for, for this Mets team. Yeah, sure. were. 
feel like more, more highs than lows. I do a pretty good job of uh, burying the lows, suppressing those memories. Yeah, we, we have to. As we need to use that defense mechanism as a film. Yeah, yeah I, I think, too, um, just some of the series, too, in 2015, which I say against the Nationals were incredible. I didn't have the, uh, you know, um, I wasn't able to make any of the playoff games, but definitely no matter, you know, I was in college, too. I didn't have a lot of money. But now, no matter what, if we make the playoffs, I'm going to see a game. You know, whether you got to go to one days. I was at uh, game four of 2015 and um, way, way up in the upper deck. I think I was actually the the second from the top row because, you know, that's all you can scrape by with. But it was just an unreal experience. I've just never been in a stadium or any other situation where there's so much energy from so many people. It was wild. I want to feel that electricity. You know, I want to grab drinks with the seven line. Uh, I, I want to do it all. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be up there. Um, but until then, yeah, man, we should, uh, we should go to a game. Um, yeah. When the, I mean, the seven line rolls into town every once in a while, they take over a section at nationals ballpark. I've joined up with them before. It's pretty good. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I would love to get an orange shirt and just uh, be boisterous. Um, but all right. Anything else you want to say about uh, the Mets offseason or other takes you have? Do you want to make another, you know, prediction you can look back on and uh, <laughs> be remembered for? Uh, prediction wise, I'm going to say that there have been a lot of questions about Alonzo having a bounce back here or whatever. He's still young. We just got to still remember that he played one full rookie season and then a shortened season. He's still a kid. Give him a little time. Get off his back. He's a stand up individual and his power has gone nowhere. Uh, I will end actually asking you a question. Oh. Do you think they should bring back black jerseys? Oh, so this is a good take. Um, you know, I'm not sure I have a solid position on this. I'd love to see the all black. I love the, I almost wanted more for Pete because I love his enthusiasms for the black jersey. Um, I think I'd like it, but not to be their permanent like home jersey. I think I'd like certain nights like Friday blackout, DeGrom's on the mound. That would be sick. Um, but I, I got to say, I, I do like the blue. I get a lot of teams have been gravitating towards blue. Um, but I think, I think that'd be really cool. A night game, black it out uh, once in a while type thing. For me, one of my first jerseys was a uh, black Jose Reyes jersey. And every time I go back to uh, City Field now and see any of those like black Piazza jerseys, black David Wright, black Pedro Martinez jerseys, I think those are the coolest things of all time. So I would love to see them back. Not on, similar to Ty, not on a permanent basis where they're uh, every every home series you're wearing black, but once in a while, uh, I would love to see it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take them once in a while. I also don't want to see them in the rotation. I don't think uh, the black stands up next to the pinstripes or the racing stripe for that matter. I'd love to see the racing stripe come back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's it could be kind of intimidating too. So uh, that, that could be nice, but yeah. Hey, right, you know what, as, as long as they're not bringing back camo jerseys, those things were. Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, no, those were tough. Those were tough. I, lo- I love the military as much as the next guy, but just get those jerseys out of here. Every time I think of the camo jerseys, I just think of Duda and just like everything about him, you know, being this monstrous guy who's just quiet yeah. and like just very generous, like great guy. Just it makes me laugh, but um, we could do without those. But, yeah. but yeah, thanks so much for uh, being on the call. Uh, we'll hey, definitely no have you back for having me. Um, Same time next year. Same time next year. <laughs> yeah. All right, Adam. Thanks so much, man. Let's go right. Mets. Let's go Mets. Thank you. <laughs> Take care.